Hi, everyone. Welcome to a podcast that is, uh, I don't know when this is going up on. This is just kind of one of the, one of these one-off things that we do. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, um, because I, uh, I'm, well, I'm Merrick Kay, Features and Trending Editor, fanbyte.com, and joining me is uh, Managing Editor, fanbyte.com, Stephen Strom. Hello. And we're going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 a little bit today. Uh, which is a game that I saw earlier today. And uh, today, being when we're recording this... Um, literally hours early, ago, yeah. Literally hours ago. Earlier this week, um, I went to a very nice hotel in Manhattan and uh, watched a presentation about Baldur's Gate 3. And I hadn't played a Baldur's Gate game, or I still haven't because it was a hands-off presentation. Hadn't played... A Baldur's Gate game since I think the first one, probably about twenty years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, I suppose it has been that long. It has. It came out in '98, and I, I very clearly recall playing it on my dad's computer at his office. And um, I remember having a spell called Color Spray, which I didn't think was very <laughs> impressive at the time. And uh, so, Baldur's Gate kind of a interesting series because the first one. Came out in 98, and that was a Bioware joint. And the sequel uh, came out in uh, 2000, and that was also Bioware. And then this is the third one, and it's 20 years later. <laughs> and is this literally uh, out this year? Is this... Uh, no, they, I don't think they have announced anything. Oh, wow. So um, it might not even... Be, it might be more might, than 20 it years. It might be... I would guess it's going to be 2021 because it's. Uh, they said that they haven't even um, announced a date yet. Wow! So this game, I, I also has like a very confusing uh, and storied history in terms of who owns the rights to it because, obviously, based on the Dungeons and Dragons Forgotten Realms setting, mm -hmm. and Interplay owned the rights to it. Uh, right, Interplay's kind of still around huh yeah well they owned the rights to it originally and uh then they were working on um a third game called the black hound back in 2003 but uh interplay shut down black isle studios who are working on it canceled the game and uh, lost the license to atari and atari released neverwinter nights and the sequel also pretty well received games hell yeah um, great games i those are actually the ones that i played i never played Baldur's gate but like my touchstone for this style of game was playing the original neverwinter nights right right um and then around that time wizards of the coast got the rights to DD when they bought tsr and uh this sequel is um now it's it's owned by who was is it beamdog well, no, actually, Larian, I think, is the developer and publisher. Oh, okay. Wow. This. Yeah. Uh, Obsidian was trying to get the rights for a while. And uh, Larian, who previously did uh, Divinity Original Sin and the sequel to that, which came out a couple of years ago, they had been trying to get the rights. Apparently, the game impressed uh, Wizards of the Coast, and they, uh, they made that deal. And... Um, it's based on the fifth edition of D&D, &D, but they mm. made uh, a lot of changes to the system, I guess. And yeah, today I saw like two hours of it. And uh, 
I'm like actually pretty excited, which is kind of <laughs> rare for me. Like I'm very hard to impress. Right. Um, so. Famously, very game, discerning, very, very, you know, very discerning. I gave a five out of 10 to the, my first <laughs> review that I wrote for the site. Um, I deservedly uh, so though. I don't, I think history has borne that one out um, as that being. Yeah, a, I mean, I think so, but yeah. also the typical kind of grade for a game that's not very good like that, I think is still like a six or a seven, right? Ah, we ain't no IGN. Um, we can do what yeah. we want. <laughs> so, okay. This game opens with, this cutscene where how familiar would you say you are with, with the sort of D and D world? Uh, I have played a good chunk of D and D over my lifetime. Okay, cool. So you, yeah. Okay. I played a little bit here and there. I think I'm aware of most of like the big archetypes and species and stuff just from osmosis and how they've sort of made their way into other games and things. But this game opens with uh, a mind flare yeah. or a, a, I believe they're called illithids. Yes in their native tongue, um, we see this mind flare enter this room and it has all of these like captives like uh, locked up against the walls. And there's this huge pod in the middle of the room and it waves its hands over it and opens up this pod and reveals this big pond with Hmm. these little tadpoles swimming around in it. And if you know anything about mind flares, maybe you see where this is going Mm -hmm. because... um, by the way, for people who don't know what a mind flare is, it's just basically a Cthulhu. It's a Cthulhu. I would say it's, it's a, a Cthulhu. Cthulhu wizard. It's like what if what if Cthulhu didn't have wings and instead he wore like a, a robe? Yeah, was a wizard. Um, yeah. So what happens then is we get a first person perspective of this mind flare putting oh. this tadpole into someone's eye. Oh, that's cool. And it looks horrifying it's just like rows and rows of teeth and it just like burrows up and over the eye because what these things are is this is how mind flayers reproduce is they have these little tadpoles that they put into people's brains that gradually transform them into new mind flayers right um and then also my uh a little bit of back, more background on this maybe for people. So like they kind of maybe have like an idea of what this means in terms of like scope is mind flayers in D and D are kind of like a really, really, really big deal. They're like really, really powerful. Um, they're like top level threat kind of stuff because they're like crazy powerful, um, psychics and they mind control people. And like, they want to turn all living things into basically like mind slaves for them forever. Um, and one thing I remember Larry and talking about around E3, when they showed the initial, uh, teaser trailer for this game that you see a person getting mind flayer eyes in this way that you're talking about it ha- but it happens in like 10 minutes in that trailer mm. like it, for the what is shown to be about like 10 minutes or a few minutes that is supposed to be in the lore a process that takes much 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 longer um but instead it seems to be happening like on i believe mass. it takes seven days right um at least here it takes seven days because that time is referenced but basically this um we see this cutscene, and then there's a character creation scene. And I guess this is something that was the case in Divinity as well, because you have a choice of either creating your own character mm. or playing as one of, I think, six what they call like origin stories. Yes, original um, Sin Two does have that. 
Right. So these are characters who are basically like fully fleshed out characters with actual backgrounds, fixed appearances and all this stuff. And that, as far as I can tell, that seems like the way to go because you get like a lot of detail that I think basically, from what I understand, is just absent if you're playing an original character. Mm. And that's how it was in Divinity as well, I believe. In Divinity, um, you could take um, all of those characters could be recruited as party members, but you had to like... Yeah pick and choose like uh you know i can't remember how many there were exactly but if there were seven you could only pick five to bring with you on your story right yeah um that's actually pretty similar here um, okay and i would i would guess that would be the case regardless of whether you were one of them or an original character but the uh the characters that we saw there is um there's an elf vampire spawn um who is this like evil noble uh, who is like turned into a vampire spawn as punishment okay. for like disobedience or something. And he's like very funny because he's just like super snarky and, uh, and mean <laughs> there's this, this cleric, um, this female cleric who is just like very like also kind of like snarky. Um, but like kind of standoffish, um, <laughs> Larian, uh, for the record, uh, Pretty snarky for people who don't know the, the divinity tone. Yeah. Uh, it, they have a they have a, a style, and uh, there is yeah. a lot of snark among those. Yeah, um, there's a Githyanki lady. Oh. I I don't know much about them. They're I kind of like I, I weird green people. Yeah, they're like from are, some special plane. Yeah, they have their own kind of whole thing going on. Um, and uh, there's a few other characters, but basically after this, after you create a character. Uh, we get this intro cutscene where the Ilfid is like, okay, cool, I'm done. I'm going to go pilot my giant Nautilus ship called the Nautiloid, which just looks, if you know what a Nautilus looks like, it just looks like that. Cool, um, yeah, And great. just like t t flies it into the city and starts like grabbing people with its big tentacles. And when it touches them, it like basically teleports them into its like uh, prison cells. Mm. Like Star Trek so Insurrection. Yeah, so it's just like abducting people. Uh, then a bunch of people with dragons come out and are like, fuck you, and are like trying to stop it. Um, and this Nautiloid just starts like teleporting around the world to just try and escape. But um, basically what happens is it goes down um, and you escape. And you realize that you have a what they call a tadpole in your head. And if you don't do anything in seven days, you will turn into a mind flayer. Oh, okay. So you're, that is you getting mind flayerized at the beginning. Yes. Ceramorphosis, yes. I think is what it's called. Yeah. But. Yes, that is what it's called. Um, and uh, what was interesting is that they were playing as the, the vampire character that I was talking about. And he wakes up and it's daytime. And he's not on fire. And it's just oh. like, what is this all about? And he gradually realizes like, oh, this thing is giving me powers. Right. Um, and all of the characters actually in your party are have also escaped basically from that. Um, and they all have that in their heads, which has a bunch of different effects. So like they can, you kind of occasionally have like telepathic links with other members of your party. Right. Um, you can do these like we like wild big jumps, which comes into play um, because verticality is a very big part of the game. And um, yeah, this vampire guy can walk outside during the day. Huh. And he's just like, oh, damn, that's pretty dope, actually. I yeah. like this. And so there's this tension of like, these things appear to be like giving you powers, 
but also are almost certainly going to kill you. Right. Yes. Um, and I, th- I thought that was like a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, this like the whole, I like, I don't know. Illithids are cool to me. They're really creepy. They are. And, uh, they eat I brains. like that idea. Yeah. They eat brains. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. So, but as it goes on, it becomes kind of clear that like, you're not, uh, your bones aren't melting and you're not turning into something. So something is going on and you need to figure out like what that is. Right. But the initial imp- like Im- impetus for the plot is okay. Uh, you need to find a healer to like cleanse this thing out of you or it's going to kill you. Right. And you encounter like these other ex captives and um, you sort of like start on your adventure to try to, uh, and, and you know, with these other companions, you can either just be like, yeah, fuck off. Like I don't want you around or, you know, kill them. Or have them come with you. Uh, and speaking the, of killing people, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask um, before we go too much farther. I want for people who again who maybe aren't super familiar with this, and for me too, because I actually don't know if this is the case. I'm just kind of assuming that this is a top-down game like the previous Baldur's Gates and like this Divinity. is a t- it's a top-down game, but there is a lot of camera flexibility and. It actually looks almost more like a Dragon Age. Interesting. Okay, like a Dragon Age like Origins a, or something. Yeah, I mean, much nicer, obviously. Like right, it's more modern. It's a very gorgeous game, um, mm. but there's a lot of flexibility with the camera. Um, it's not like a third-person game. It is a top-down for the most part, and like okay. you know, uh, clicking to move and things like that. But yeah, like it, it doesn't feel quite as distant as okay. those games often do. Maybe not as restrictive. Exactly, yeah. And um Yeah, so speaking of, of killing people and stuff, the combat and this for me was the moment that I was like, oh, I could actually play this game because the combat's <laughs> turn-based. <laughs> oh, um, okay. I don't know if I knew that. What was it that way in Divinity? Uh I, mm. I don't, I think you could choose between the two. I think you could like basically have it do the classic like KOTOR thing of like every time you're going to take an action. Oh, okay. It, yeah. it stops. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, because I have, uh, I've seen some other games like this. Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh, you basically have to be playing an RTS and, or like, um, you know, one of those games. Uh, why can't I remember the name of it? Like a MOBA? Like a MOBA. You're basically playing a MOBA because it's real time and you're managing like six guys and they all have different things. Sure. This this is turn-based, which right. means that you can set up all kinds of like fun little things. And when you enter combat, it switches into turn-based mode. And it's just your team, their team. It's not like your guy, their guy, your guy, their guy. Oh, sure, and sure. It's like like a Fire Emblem. Um, or uh, I was also thinking like like XCOM kind of does the same thing, I think. Like an XCOM, except there is a lot of wild shit that you can do in combat. <laughs> <laughs> like there are a lot of verbs that are, that are included. Like um, you can jump, like I said before, and you can jump and climb up to higher areas. And that's important because you get advantage in combat roles when you're on a higher level when you have the high ground. Um, And you can also do things like push people. Like you can try and push people off ledges. Um, You can like dip your weapon in, like if there's like a flame nearby or like oil or something, you can do that. 
you can uh, throw things. So a couple of examples I saw of that were uh, you can, if you're too far away from a teammate, you can actually try to throw a healing potion at them. Oh. And uh, if it breaks <laughs> and like the liquid falls on them, it still heals them. Oh my uh, God. You can also throw anything you have at your enemies at any time. And in one dis- like desperate moment, the guy demoing the game threw his boots at a goblin. <laughs> and uh, it did very little, but it is a possibility. <laughs> oh my God. Holy shit. Uh, which is very funny. Um, also, the combat isn't like hex based or anything like it's not um it's pretty granular so you have like you know you have like a basic like tactical game like move action kind of thing with like free actions and stuff too but like the move distance is like a meter that you have sure that's like how much you can move um so it's like pretty fluid in that respect um and uh yeah there's like other environmental interactions too like in and out of combat so like i mentioned like the you can like light your arrow on fire or whatever mm-hmm. but you can also just like move things like you can like make stairs by stacking crates and stuff and oh, then like wow. climb up them to get over things or to just create like vantage points for yourself oh holy shit um, or you can just like throw barrels in the environment at um at enemies and things like that so there's like a lot of cool stuff like that that is just like um because the thing for me is like uh the thing that frustrated me a lot about D&D, like, 4th edition, mm-hmm. was that there would always be things I wanted to do, and it felt like the system was, like, constraining me rather than right. enabling me to do things. So I was like, oh, I want to pick up something and throw and do this. And the DMs is like, uh, so is that, like, an attack? or Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of video games that adapt, role-playing games have that problem of, like, well, how do you allow for the player to feel like they have the flexibility to do things in different ways rather than just like attack or like negotiate or whatever, right? Yeah, a deception check, arcana check, whatever it happens right. to be. And obviously there's like always limits and games will never, digital games will never really be able to match like the experience of just like role playing with other people in person. Right. But I appreciate that there is like, there are like these these dumb stunts you can do because like that is what I love about turn-based games like this. Like I don't want to just like, oh, I'll attack. Oh, I'll like avoid. I want to do dumb stunts. Right. I want to like set something on fire and then kick it to set it rolling at people and just like throw a man into a spider pit so he's eaten <laughs> by a giant spider, uh, which the guy tried to do and it did not end well. The, the, uh, the demo ended with like a full party wipe. Um, oh, wow. Because, yeah, he had some very poor luck with rolls. Oh. And speaking of, yeah, there are actual rolls. Like, there are active rolls where, like, a 20-sided die appears on the screen. <laughs> and it's like, here's your target. And, like, you just click it to roll. Yeah, um, yeah, which yeah. Which is, like, I, I kind of like. It gives it some, like, this feeling of, like, momentum to it. But Disco Elysium does something very similar, too. You know, despite the right, fact yeah, that. Right, yeah. It does show the dice on the screen in that, too. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I was going to mention D- Disco Elysium specifically. That uses like a two d six sort of die roll thing, which I don't know. Do, uh, do you know much about like modern like tabletop role playing games and where they've kind of gone? Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of modern games have moved away from like having a ton of different dice and have just tried to focus on like t- on just d sixes. Right. And typically, well, like the main one of the big systems is uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, which yes. just uses like a. 2d6 and um you usually have like a failure partial success and like full success yes and uh you maybe have like a modifier of like 
depending on your stats of like minus three to plus three on right. any given roll. Well, and that was actually going to be my question about uh, the die rolls in this one here is just like, does this game, is it basically just a binary state of success or failure or does it have a concept of like a mid mixed as success? As far as I can tell, it's success failure. It's based on fifth edition D&D. So right. I okay. think I think that is just kind of the only thing yeah, uh, it is. there. And it's just a 20-sided die. And I'm, I think like 20 is critical hit. I don't know if one is like critical failure, but... Um, it didn't say that when like he rolled ones, which did happen fairly often. Yeah, I think I, I think um, a critical failure now just it means failure. I don't mean it. I don't think it means uh, you trip on your sword and kill yourself anymore. <laughs> God, what a good game! Um, <laughs> but but at the same time, it does seem like this is like taking some elements of like the granularity of because one of the other things about a lot of powered by the apocalypse and forged in the dark is another big one kind of games like this is it's a lot of it's less like i want to do a deception check to deceive this person and more mm-hmm. uh i want to do this and then the gm will tell you okay that sounds like a blah 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 roll and you'll roll yeah. you know it'll give you a general idea here's like six things that every like person can do at any point and it, they're very 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 broad and it's like you get to decide the fiction, but then they decide like the stats for you. And it sounds like this is kind of like opening itself up to some of that granularity with the ability to like stack boxes and stuff, but maybe coming at it from the perspective of like physics and just like modeling a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, and Larian kind of did a lot of that in Divinity Original Sin 2 as well, but I feel like to a certain degree it kind of boiled down to, like, are your enemies standing inside of water? Because if you use an electrical attack, it, it will do more damage or chain the electricity yeah. between them. Like, it was still very impressive, and it's a, it's a hell of an impressive game, but it's not, this one sounds like it's taking that and running with it a lot more. Yeah, that seems to be the case, and there still is, like, a lot of that um, that stuff, too. Like, oh, there's oil and and grease and like water and stuff and <laughs> who left all um, this grease on the ground well there is a spell i think that is just called grease in D. <laughs> yeah and it lit- just makes grease I, i'm literally playing a character in my current campaign that i'm playing right now where my character knows grease <laughs> actually yeah grease lightning yeah uh, yeah so yeah um turn-based combat uh there is like when you rest, because in D&D, that's like a whole, the whole like tempo of the game is like combat. You use up your spells and like you mm-hmm. get hurt and stuff. And then you take a long rest, which is basically sleeping overnight. And that makes all of your wounds go better. So this um, models that as well? This models that as well. And like when you do a, a long rest, you uh, get to like hang out in your camp and like talk to your Ooh. your pals. And that's where a lot of the relationship building stuff happens. Okay. And uh, that's... I feel like very cool. Like I'm going to spend a lot of time there. And one of the things that I saw there was, um, so, uh, the character, again, the main character, um, was a vampire and you can switch around between different characters and have them approach. You can split your party and like have people approach different scenarios. Um, and like one thing that was mentioned was like, you can do the whole like classic Kodor thing of like approaching someone that like one of your guys wouldn't approve of, but like out of sight. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you can do things like that. Um, but the character that you're playing as, that's where you're going to get most of like the like perspective from. Right. Um, yeah. So the vampire character can uh, feed on his companions while they are sleeping. <laughs> mm. 
because okay. he he's evil. Um, and uh, he did that to one of the characters, and they didn't notice, but apparently we'll probably find out that you are a vampire. Um, and it was funny, like, the day after, um, that character had the debuff Bloodless, which oh basically like, gave her a minus one to a lot of things, and then he had the, the buff Happy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, because he had never drank human blood before, because he was like a like a lowly vampire spawn, so oh, he okay. just drank like rat blood and stuff. And so he is just like happy and like has plus one to all his stats. I'm just um, so happy to have all this blood inside. I'm of so me. happy to have all this good blood. Hey, do you guys just love having blood inside your veins? It's so good. You ever just think hey, about it? You guys, we all love having blood inside our bodies, right? <laughs> I'm a normal human man, uh-huh. elf man. Sorry, half elf man. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, oh, actually, I was going to ask, uh, if you don't mind, uh, does the telepathic connection play into any of that stuff during like camp stuff or like those kind of interactions? Yeah, it does happen sometimes. Um, actually he tried to do it one time, um, with that same character and he failed the role and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get out of my fucking head. If you ever try and do that again, I will stab you to death. (laughs) Um, uh, Fair, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that'll play like a role there. Um, okay. Oh, you can you can go into turn-based mode outside of combat as well. Um, oh, and you can use that to like set up ambushes and stuff, basically. Oh, um, okay. And it's really funny because when you the sound when you enter turn-based mode, when mm-hmm. everything stops, is I swear to God, <laughs> the world sound effect. <laughs> It's like that. I swear it is that. And I didn't have time to ask them, but like, I don't know. It could be a coincidence, but it just sounds exactly like it. Barrett, I'm so upset that you didn't ask. Yeah, I'll have to ask next. I should have just done an interview and just that's my only question. Um, (laughs) I'll take my my answer off the air. Thank you. Yeah. Basically, they use this to like have the vampire guy, like who is a rogue, sneak up and around this enemy and like the other people like talk to them and when things broke bad the rogue just pushed one of them off like <laughs> off this edge and then took his spot to like to rain arrows on people oh my god um and uh, although then he did accidentally kill uh one of his characters by so it, it's the D thing of like you're downed and then you have death saves and if yes. you fail three then you're dead dead right um is it permanent so I think so, but there are scrolls of resurrection. Oh. So like, um, yeah, I didn't, I was kind of unclear on that, but it does seem like, oh, if a character's dead, they're just dead. Like, unless you resurrect them. Uh, and I don't know how common those scrolls are. So I don't know if it's like, there's going to be a lot of saves coming early on or like, mm. or what, or you just have to be like really careful. But, um, but yeah, cause like, I'm obviously, if I lose a character, Unless it's like at the end of the game and like a momentous point, I'm obviously going to save scum because right, like I yeah. want that story. Um, so he did accidentally permanently kill uh, one character by um, one of them was downed and um, he threw a bottle of grease at an enemy who was on fire oh, and no. it exploded, <laughs> like burned the downed <laughs> character into ashes. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, which you can still be resurrected from, apparently. And yeah, as far yeah. as I can tell, people don't have any like commentary on the fact that they just fucking died. Oh um, wow. That would be really interesting, I think, if they did. Yeah. Just like, huh, oh my god. <laughs> like, um 
Oh, it's multiplayer also. Oh, okay. How does that work? Uh, you're playing different people, I guess. You okay? It is co-op. Then it's like it's kind of like you just control the same party. I think so, but you're different. I'm not sure exactly. They didn't really say. They just said okay. that. Um, there's one point where one of the characters like got into trouble in this tomb, and then he was like, "Oh." So, like, my other people who are waiting outside, I can now, like, bring one of them in. But, like, he's like, oh, if we were playing multiplayer, I could just be like, hey, I need help. And, like, call to, like, someone and they would they would come. Oh. Um, so, I don't know exactly how that works. But that is really interesting to me because um, I can't really think of a lot of games like that that are, like, that narrative. Folk- I mean, is Divinity multiplayer? Uh, Divinity is, I think. The first one certainly was. I can't remember if the second one is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess it'll probably be like that. But, um, but to hear you say it just there, it almost sounds to me like that kind of implies that like you could be in the same world simulating different events in different parts of the world at the same time. And that sounds wild. Yeah, I think you can, because as far as I can tell, you can split your party like pretty far. Huh. Um, like, actually, the game uh, bugged at one point. And um, so the reason I say that is because, yeah, because the game bugged at one point and... Um, combat kept switching back and forth between like the party fighting these goblins in this tomb and then goblins raiding this village (laughs) um and he was like oh that's not supposed to happen but like it's like oh but it can do that right it can shift back and forth so theoretically i don't see any reason why you couldn't (laughs) have the party split up that far um is this a this is a stupid comparison but i keep thinking like the comparisons that i want to make here are you talk about how you have a weird parasite in your brain that you definitely need to get healed within a certain amount of time and then also like oh yeah like these goblins can just be fighting over here and it makes me think of the original pitch for far cry 2 (laughs) (laughs) yeah you need malaria medication to uh handle your malaria also if you start a fire over here on one side of the continent you're going to burn down a house on the other (laughs) god yeah um possibly maybe this is the realization of that dream mm. uh so what else what else what else oh yeah there's just like some other goof goofball things that are like he like walks into like this tomb and is like oh okay you've played video games before right you see like a bunch of skeletons lying on the floor with the name like with names like you know like dread protector and stuff like you know what's about to happen <laughs> so uh, what if I just like took all of their bows before they got up? Um, and you can do that. And then when you trigger the event that like makes them get up, when you like disturb some sarcophagus or something, they're just like, blah, 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 and like don't have weapons. And so they're just trying to like slap at you. Um, oh my God. Which is very funny. Um, That's really cool, Merritt. This whole thing. Yeah. What it sounds the hell? pretty cool. Yeah. And, like, I only have a few more things to talk about really. Again, we saw like a lot of stuff, but, um, so there's this guy again i haven't played Baldur's gate since the first one there's a guy named volo who i guess is like a fan favorite character oh okay who um was voiced by rob paulson in the previous games i don't know if he still is but he was like this big like kind of famous character um and uh he's in this one too so uh he's like this very like i think he's a fighter but he's like basically like a bard that seems what he's uh, like. Oh, do you mean Volothamp Getarm or simply Volo, who is a neutral, chaotic, good, famous storyteller and traveler? Yes, that is the same. I've um, never played Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I just looked he it up. He sounds, his voice sounds like 
uh, Dr. Orpheus. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> like he's just like, I shall tell the tale of your adventure. Um, so kind of a, you know, toss a coin to your Witcher song sort of thing going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's another character who I feel like is, there's going to be a lot of fan art slash fic of this guy. Um, his name is Raphael and he's okay. just this weird dude you meet on a bridge and it's just like, Mm, we should talk somewhere more accommodating and then just like snaps his fingers and you're in his like keep or whatever <laughs> and he's like please feast on my sumptuous meals and just like there's like there's like chickens with little hats on the legs and stuff and uh and uh, please feast on my sumptuous meal is definitely and then he then he turns into a devil man oh okay and uh he's just like yes i am a devil man i know you have brain disease i can fix it and in this he was just like dog nah i'm gonna like i don't want to work with deal with you and he's like okay but after you've tried everything you'll come back like i know you will Mm -hmm. i'm a devil man um folks get you a devil man who can fix your brain disease (laughs) um what else oh okay um one sort of plot thing and then one just like wild fucking thing okay uh the big thing that seems to be going on in this game is there's some new god called the absolute oh and goblins seem to have started worshiping it and um they seem to accept you as a true soul because you have this thing in your head and you encounter this drow woman who is just like oh i see you are also a true soul um we need to get this weapon back that was on that ship Huh. And like the absolute commands us to do it. And you're just like, okay. Um, so not really sure what that is. Some like new God that is potentially just like mind controlling everyone or something. I'm not yeah. really sure. I mean, the mind flayers like uh, they prefer humans, drow, githyanki and like something else. Like they, they have preferred hosts. So if she's also a true soul, I wonder if she's also getting mind flayerized. Oh no, yeah, no. You, they do have um everyone um who is a true soul has a uh a tadpole in their brain. Okay. Um that's what makes them a true soul. Gotcha. So not really clear what that means, but that I'm guessing is gonna be like the big thing. Uh also just the one last thing mm-hmm. is uh there's a scene where you encounter a goblin and you're in like a goblin camp Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he's like, ah, I'm better than you. Like, you, you uh, bow to me. And you're just like, you should bow to me. And he's just like, no, you should bow to me. <laughs> um, and uh, he's like, you kiss my feet. And uh, mm-hmm. you look down and you see he has this like ring. He's wearing a toe ring, but it's like a magic ring. Uh-huh. And you're like, you're like, hmm, how can I get this ring? Uh-huh. And it's like, I will kiss the foot, but steal the ring when he's not looking. Uh-huh. So there is a scene where you kiss a goblin's foot. The kiss is, because uh, you're talking about removing a ring from his foot. You would have to suck I his toe to do that. I don't think you do it with your mouth i think he just uses his hand very quickly mm. but uh i agree to disagree I, looked, <laughs> I i wasn't actually i think i might have licked away at that point so um <laughs> you're like yeah, i know what's coming you do kiss a goblin's foot um so this game has feet in it yeah mind control and feet both of the same game holy shit yeah 
They know what yeah. they're, they know who they're someone, marketing to. Someone behind me um, actually was like, is Baldur's Gate always this horny? <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah i don't know exactly how that's gonna pan out but um yeah he successfully stole the ring um oh good yeah i don't i figured what that ring did oh but my. there was there was Sorry, an earlier can you, can you imagine yeah? if you if you did the check to kiss his feet and you didn't get the ring <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't remember that what that ring did but there was an earlier magic ring or amulet or something that was like I'll let you talk to dead people. Oh, okay. uh, So there was one point where um, he's like before he got into the goblin camp and it was like, there was this goblin that these tieflings had captured and you were like, oh, can you show us the way to your camp? Because you say you have this healer there and like, maybe she can help us. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, but you have to help me escape. And so he was like, okay. And like opens the gate, like takes the lock, opens the gate and then just like fucking kills her and then's like Whoa. and then uses his like amulet to talk to her oh. like to talk to her corpse and it's just like okay where's your healing lady and like the corpse is just like it's over there and you're like okay thanks bye <laughs> like, wow that's um, kind of an interesting play on like in divinity original sin 2 one of the things that they kind of touted a lot was you could basically kill every npc in that entire game and the story would still continue you could still beat that game even if you killed yeah. like the main quest givers and stuff i'm like that. pretty sure you can do that in this too that makes sense um, for what they're yeah. doing yeah <laughs> boy that amulet seems real real useful i get uh, we didn't get that uh we didn't get it last time i guess i just have to go and kiss that goblin's feet again oh well <laughs> oops i missed again guys oh sorry guys we'll just do it again my god oh my god <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know that's uh that's Baldur's gate and Again, for me, the really big thing is that it's turn-based, and so I feel like I can actually play this without just, like... Because I feel like in real-time games like this, I'm mostly just, like, hoping that the auto-fight will do the job. Mm. And the combat also becomes kind of, like, a chore eventually, whereas in turn-based stuff, I feel like there's a lot more room to just be a total, like, just do pranks, basically. (laughs) Right. Uh, do oh yeah! Oh, do one combat more thing. Pranks. Yeah, you have like cantrips and stuff, right? Yeah. So like one of them is Mage Hand. Yeah. Um, classic. Which you can use for doing classic pranks. And for people who don't know, you just summon this glowing hand that can like move things around and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great for. Uh, do you have like an example people. of something they showed? Yeah. Well, like, this wasn't a prank, but it was like kind of a cool thing. Um, he like walked into this tomb and like tried to take something out of the sarcophagus and trigger this trap that basically flooded the room with uh, oil and uh, that not like not, <laughs> so not so you were drowning oil. so much oil um, because oil is flammable but uh, basically just uh, released oil into the room and then started firing flaming arrows from like every side oh wow um, and where he was standing he was like just in one of the dead zones where like they couldn't hit and but had like no way out and so he's like okay what i'm gonna do is use mage mage hand to pick up a crate and throw it over here so that i can climb on top of it and then jump out without like slipping on the grease Uh, that was that was the theory it didn't actually super work out because (laughs) uh that actually makes me think of like i have a question did they talk at all about like difficulty because it sounds like they're failing a lot but i wonder how much of that is actually just them like showing what could happen as like you know uh he seemed pretty surprised a lot of the time so i'm guessing it'll be like adjustable uh 
But yeah, there were like a lot of failure checks. Um, also, he, he was being like pretty reckless, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely it is entertaining to see things like fuck <laughs> up, right? So uh, there's that part of it too. But uh, but yeah, like I said, the end of the presentation was just like everyone got fucking killed. Um, so huh. yeah, I don't know. I would guess because like I feel like this is the trend in these games lately that it'll be like adjustable so that if you're basically there mm-hmm. for the narrative, then you can sort of tone that down a little bit. Right. Um, but it also does seem like, okay, there's like, it's turn-based, so there's like a lot of stuff you can do to like make combat easier to deal with, like rather than just rush in and like hit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's cool. The, that's pretty much it. Um, that's a lot though. Like that sounds wild and I'm, kind of it almost makes me want to go back and play the old games i know there's nothing like yeah, this but <laughs> I might, well actually what i'm thinking i might do is just play original sin 2 because oh. i've heard a lot of good things about that yeah uh and it's on the switch now i believe so it is yeah um Maybe yeah that's, a, ooh, that's you know what that that'd be a good playing game to go play on the way ooh. to pax I'm taking a train. Ooh, yeah yeah i suppose that takes <laughs> that takes even longer so yeah they're slower uh, that's just yeah. math um, yeah, but cool. Um, I don't know when it's coming out. They don't know either, as far as I know. But still, um, worth keeping an eye out. You would say? Yeah, I would say. You know, I I really have no special attachment to D anD D or to Baldur's Gate, um, but it uh, it impressed me. Like even despite that, right? So, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll know more soon. Well, cool. Thank you for going to go check it out, uh, Merritt, and thank you for sharing all the details with me. Yeah, uh, thanks to Larian for inviting us, and um, that'll be it for this one-off. We'll probably talk more about it on our regular podcast, Fanwidth, the flagship fanbite podcast, as we hear more. Uh, you can also check out all our other podcasts on... We have, like, three different feeds at this point. Yeah. So, you know, they're all good. Just listen to them. Go to Fan fanbite.com. Fight, you know? Yeah, listen to Fan Fight, which is a new podcast with LB Hunktears and Danielle Riando, where they talk about the worlds of uh, professional wrestling and UFC. And basically, it's a kind of a cultural exchange between fans of two those two different uh, kinds of uh, fighting. Of real fighting and MMA. Real fighting and MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Danielle. Uh, of of just complete uh, bloody theatrics and guys wearing a lot of spandex and throwing each other into the ropes. Hell yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, go to fanbite.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Merritt K. Uh, you can follow Steven on Twitter at Steven Strom. And... Uh, yeah, fanbite at uh, fanbite media. That's about it. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.